Welcome to Fifth Wall's Building to Zero podcast. The real estate industry is the world's single largest contributor to climate change. At Fifth Wall, we're on a mission to help the industry eradicate its carbon emissions and build to zero. I'm your host, Brendan Wallace. In today's episode, I catch up with Chris Hopper and Sam Adiemo, the co-founders of Fifth Wall Portfolio Company, Aurora Solar. Chris and Sam share their path to founding Aurora Solar and their shared passion for solar energy. They also share thoughts around why real estate owners should care about alternative energy, how to determine if solar makes sense for your business or home, and the role regulation will play in shaping the market. Enjoy the conversation. Well, Chris and Sam, thank you so much for joining. Where are you both coming in from today? Uh, right now, I'm actually in, in Los Angeles, uh, popped down here um, to, to switch it up a bit, but normally I'm based in, in San Francisco. And I'm in uh, San Francisco, um, uh, a, few, uh, a few miles away from our office, um, which uh, is currently empty uh, as we're all working remotely, but um, right. uh, in San Francisco. Nice. Well, you know, on this video series, Building to Zero, obviously we try to talk to leaders in kind of at the convergence of real estate and technology and sustainability and both of you are obviously building something that is so squarely at that at that intersection so why don't we start maybe with just the founding story of aurora solar and like how it came together sure uh yeah let me let me kick that off and uh sort of rewind to back to uh 2011 uh 2011 is actually when when Sam and I met, uh, met in grad school, uh, we both went to Stanford Business School and we met quite early in the program and quickly figured out that both of us were entrepreneurially minded. We're trying to you know, figure out what to do post-business school. We had different ideas. I actually had some background in off-grid uh, electrification and specifically off-grid solar. And so uh, that was sort of my, uh, my background that I came into, uh, into the program with. And as Sam and I were talking about different ideas, one that stuck uh, really early was the idea of starting a solar installation business. At the time, we're focused on emerging markets where we thought, um, you know, there's typically a lot of sun, but yet energy is an issue, both in terms of reliability and in terms of cost. And so um, as we started talk, talking about that idea more, we uh, basically decided to start a business in this space and uh, to put together a pilot project. And so we put together a 50 kilowatt system uh, for a, a school in Nairobi, Kenya. So 50 kilowatts is about 220 um, solar panels. So it's a, it's a sizable system with a big battery bank as well, um, because there were power cuts every other day um, and we wanted to provide continuous service. Um, and so we put that together during, during business school. We designed the system, we sourced suppliers, we found the, the project, um, we hired a local team, uh, we raised a loan actually to finance the system. And then we flew down there uh, as sort of our summer internship, if you will, um, spent uh, time on the ground uh, installing the system, uh, overseeing that. And uh, yeah, to make a long story short, that was a great success. Um, it's sort of the typical solar success story. You know, the school now saved on their bill uh, every month uh, compared to what they're paying before. They had normal power cuts and they have now the nice uh, you know, flashy solar system on the roof. And so what started happening was uh, that other people heard about the success story and they reached out to us asking, hey, does solar make sense for my home, for my building, for my business? And uh, we realized, well, we don't know. That's sort of, 
it's, it's actually really difficult to figure this out because solar installations are very just inherently complex. There's a lot of factors that go into it. Every building is different, right? The energy consumption is different. The roof structure is different. You might have skylights, vents, you know, AC units on, on top of the building. So where do you fit, fit the panels? Uh, what are fire code setbacks? And which components do you pick? How much energy do they produce? Uh, how do you finance the system? There's all this you need to make sense of during the design process. And so we quickly realized that the process we had to figure that out was, was just not scalable. It was basically this ever-growing Frankenstein-y uh, Excel spreadsheet. And so uh, we realized, you know what, if we want to scale this as a business and not do another maybe five or 10 we can do of these projects, but if we want to do dozens or hundreds of these, we need a scalable process. And that was really the insight uh, that led to what Aurora is today, which is a software platform that um, helps solar professionals you know, design systems um, at scale. It was also clear to us the way that the, you know, where the future is headed, you know, solar is forecast, well, renewables, wind and solar are forecast to go to 50 by 50. So 50% of world energy generation is going to be wind and solar. And it was clear to us there's no way of getting from where we were then and where we are today to, to that future without a scalable process and the software platform that powers that, you know, that transition, or you might even say uh, revolution. And so that's, that's what we do today. Now we're a pure play um, software company, SaaS, SaaS company that works with uh, solar installers um, all over the world, although um, our footprint is mainly in North America, in the US right now, um, and just helps them put more solar on, on roofs. Wow. That's, I mean, and I think you both know, uh, I also had a founding uh, story of a business out of Stanford Business School, which was nearly identical to yours, uh, started over the summer between my first and, and my second year uh, with my co-founder, Adiemi. And um, so, so I know what that's like. I think what's probably different about your experience is, you know, when I was at least at Stanford, alternative energy and whether you want to call it green tech or clean tech or climate tech was certainly not in vogue. It was not a, a place that people were interested in starting businesses. Just what was the, 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 the passion behind alternative energy? Like where did that come from for both of you? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, it's certainly a lot more popular now than it was uh, uh, about 10 years ago at this point. But uh, I think we're still in the early stages of, you know, how ubiquitous this is going to be um, pretty soon. Um, you know, from my perspective, a lot of the passion had to do with, you know, um, as an uh, operator or someone who's really going to commit your life's work to something, uh, you get maybe one or two shots at doing something big, something that's really meaningful, something that you feel very confident that over the next 10, 20, 30 years is going to be much more significant than it is today. Um, and what that forces you to do is really think critically about things that aren't just like fads, things that are here to stay for a long term. And from my perspective, um, renewable energy and specifically solar was something that met all of that criteria. Um, Chris alluded to this um, uh, phrase 50 by 50, which is um, something that comes from Bloomberg New Energy Finance. And again, that's 50% of the world's energy mix uh, will come from wind and solar by 2050. So then you take that back and you say, well, where are we today? And, you know, in solar, less than 2% of our energy mix comes currently from solar. And this is of the energy market, which is a humongous market. So there's a huge amount of runway to go there. 
And that's something that you feel confident that you can bank on um, you know, uh, for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And uh, that was something that uh, I was interested in. In addition to just looking at the opportunity set from a personal standpoint, uh, it was just very clear to me that um, the path we were on, uh, destroying our environment in one way, shape or another was not sustainable. I come from a finance background where we weren't really destroying the environment from um, you know, a physical standpoint, but you saw what happened when uh, there were excesses in systems and markets and things uh, collapsed. And you know, it's one thing in financial markets where you can recover, uh, but if you do that to your actual physical environment, there really isn't any coming back from that. So working in a space that from a long-term perspective was clearly going to grow and expand and just be increasingly significant, and at the same time, having the real privilege of it being something that really positively impacts society was the combination of, you know, everything I was looking for to, to commit um, uh, my life's work to. So, yeah. Ten years later, I uh, still feel the same way. <laughs> Can't believe it's been that long. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it does feel like now we're really hitting this acceleration point uh, of, this went from being, oh, you know what, this, this, th that's had a rough stretch to increasingly getting its footing and I think soon becoming like an inevitability, which is what we're actually helping, uh, hopefully helping to accelerate and, you know, just, um, just make uh, ubiquitous, as I mentioned. And that's a great point, the, this notion of like alternative energy for the real estate industry, which, we, you know, we all know is one of the most consumptive industries with respect to energy, both on a construction basis and an ongoing basis, it, there's, an, there's an inevitability to it. Like it doesn't matter whether you want it to happen, care about it happening, whether you have a negative association with green tech or clean tech or climate tech or any one of these phrases, this is coming. As you said, Sam, by, by 50, the phrase 50 by 50, right? Like that's a, that's a 25 X increase. And so, you know, we talk to real estate owners all the time and they are, they are to some extent aware of this, but how would you, if you were talking to a real estate owner, almost instructively guide them to the conclusion that solar is probably a significant part of the future of their business? Not just, it's not just a, an exercise today to do for regulators necessarily, though it can be. Um, it is the future of your business. How do you make that point when you speak to a real estate owner? Yeah, um, I would say that, you know, when you speak to a real estate owner, I think in an abstract sense, you're not going to get a lot of pushback that yes, this is the future, right? Like I think most people, when you look at things that are associated with clean tech, whether it's things like electric vehicles or items on that sense, everyone has a sense of like, yes, that is where we're going eventually. I think the key part is to make them understand that if you're not taking action now, it's actually costing you money. Like every day that you're not doing something, um, that's savings that you could be generating, that's good publicity that you could be generating, that's uh, asset appreciation that you could be um, uh, having. So I would say that that's the major difference. That's more the, uh, the, the conversation. Imparting some of that urgency, that, leave aside all the good things that you're doing for society, which is why you see uh, organizations like Google and Apple and Microsoft and Facebook, name them, uh, talk about greenifying their data centers. So 
it's really about having them realize that from their perspective, uh, there is this asset that they're failing to monetize their real estate, number one. And then number two, there's a lot of goodwill that they're failing to capitalize on because people care about this. People care about their environment. It's increasingly becoming front and center of people's minds every time you have some sort of natural disaster or things along those lines. So I, 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 the, the conversations that um, I find us having these days isn't so much whether it's going to happen. It's just more about creating that sense of urgency that, you know, if you're not investigating this, if you're not talking to your local solar installer or at least just doing some preliminary number crunching of what does this mean for me? You're literally as every day passes falling further behind and giving up opportunity. And, and that's really the key, getting that sense of urgency. And so what's interesting in the way you phrase it, there has been, I think this like disjunction between the altruism, right? Of doing what's right for the world and what is in future generations sustainable interest, right? Which is clear and not to be understated, but also what's in, your short-term commercial interest, right? Your, your actual, your financial imperative. And I agree. I do think those two things have somehow been artificially divorced. Um, how do you make that case? Because I imagine a lot of real estate owners are like, well, I, it's, too, it's so complex, right? I don't know if, I don't know the sunlight in this particular area. I don't understand the geometry of my roof and the relation, like, how do you simplify that in a way that they can understand that? Because I know that's a large part of what Aurora does, right? It, it helps render something very complicated for someone that is in the business of selling space, the real estate industry, and lets them tap into all of this physics innovation that have allowed you to power your building with the power of the sun. How do you translate that? Yeah, that's a, it's an important question. Like you said, that's very central to what we do. Uh, right. sort of uh, short answer is like, we've got you covered. That's, that's how we <laughs> and, and a hundred of us uh, spend every, every, you know, a day and, and many hours within the day. So, um, it's, it's a complex problem. Uh, like you said, every roof is, is different and the, you know, shape profile differs. There's neighboring structures, there's trees, there's all the, you know, there's a, maybe a mountain range nearby that now occludes maybe the, the, the evening hours to some degree. Um, and there's all these constraints around electrical components, where you place them, what's the most efficient system, how does, how does you know, one design choice impact energy production, what does that mean for the savings um, of the building, energy savings, bill savings of the building, and how do you finance these systems, right? There's a lot of questions, but um, that's where, you know, that's, that's where sort of the product we built really adds value. We help answer exactly that question. Does, it's a simple question, it's, does solar make sense for me, right? For my home, for my business? And uh, our software um, covers that. At the end of it, you get a, a layout, you get an, um, a good and ideal optimal system, you get uh, savings calculations, energy production calculations, the environmental impact calculations, and the financial, um, financials as well. Now, the way to go about it is, is you know, contact a, a local uh, solar, solar company. They can, they can help you uh, figure that out. They would use you know, a product like ours, um, hopefully ours, but in any case, software to figure out how to, uh, what makes sense for your your building um, and whether you're a fit um, you know it's it's a there's no downside in that reaching out and saying hey i have this asset like sam said right i'm sitting on this asset what might i do with it right actually there's a, a tremendous amount of of rooftop potential in the us 
Um, I've seen some estimates that said around close to 40% of uh, U.S. energy cons uh, consumption could be covered uh, from solar PV rooftop potential, which is that's, that's, that's a fascinating stat, right? Because that, that's, that's an asset that real estate owners probably, you know, to date have not really conceptualized as being a, a source of monetization or a source of, of cost savings. And I guess when, when you think about that question of, you asked, you know, where real estate owners are questioning, does solar make sense for me, for my building where, where I am, given all of its characteristics, does it make sense for me? Is the answer, uh, when it's all said and done, right, when all the complexity is kind of squeezed out of th that question, is the answer yes more often than not, than no? Meaning like, and is that trending up? Meaning, are we enfranchising more of that roof, roof space economically just on account of technological progress? And I guess a related question is how much could and should financing markets, right? If you had more efficient, bigger financing markets to finance these installations and bear risk differently, like most capital markets, how evolved is that? And to the extent that changed, how much would that shift the answer to like 100% yes, right? For all of that roof space. Two questions in there. Uh, let me take the first one. I'll, I'll let Sam uh, take the second part. Um, it's increasingly yes. Uh, in many cases, uh, yes. And, and sort of that's, the, that's also the beauty of sort of this process that's in motion. Um, I, you know, I remember the very first project that I did back in 2008. And that was a very small scale project, but nevertheless, we bought uh, solar panels at uh, $3 a watt. So that's for a solar panel, say 600, 750 bucks in that range. Um, next year we came back and it was $2 a watt. So it went down to say four, 500 bucks. Now it's down to 30 cents a watt in many places, right? So it's an order of magnitude, a tenfold decrease in the, in the cost of solar. Every time you decrease the cost of, of solar, it becomes attractive somewhere else, right? There's always a balance of factors. It's like, what's the, well, what's the roof area? What's the uh, how much sun you get, how much, what's the shade profile, um, what's the, uh, the energy costs uh, of that building. So there's a lot of factors that you need to make the balance out and, and you need to uh, make sense of. But increasingly, the answer is, is yes. And so um, that's the and beauty. When you say the increasingly, the answer is yes, meaning more and more roof space that would otherwise not be viable is now enfranchised as yeah. being an unequivocal yes to the question of does solar make sense for me? Exactly. And how and how fast, how fast is that changing? Like if you were to look at, you know, how many real estate owners would be able to answer yes to that question 10 years ago versus today? Just give me a sense of almost impressionistically, like how much has that grown? 10 years ago, unless, you know, there were altruistic motivations, I think largely the answer would have been no. Right. Today, we're in a place where, where you know, many, many times, the majority of cases, probably uh, the answer is, is yes. Certainly wow. depends on the geography, right? Um, but here in California, I think the answer would be yes more often than, than not. And so um, that's and yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of it, and that's where the story, the solar story, is unfolding, and that's what's driving this transition. You know, this is not we're not going to get to fifty percent uh, renewables by just uh, people doing this from the good of the hearts. Although there's that argument to be made there too, but it's you don't have to make that trade off. It's 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 about economics. It actually makes sense. In many places, solar is the cheapest source of, of energy. And so this kind of the one part of the question, obviously, being the kind of inexorable progress technologically that just enables 
owners to do this more efficiently? The answer is just there are massive tailwinds behind that. And Sam, it sounds like you have a view also on capital markets, meaning I guess, what what is the state today of the financing available for a real estate owner who wants to finance these projects? And what do you think it looks like 10 years in the future? And how much does that change? Again, the amount of space where you can answer yes to the question of, does solar make sense for me? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, uh, you know, what financing has done is helped change some of those yes to emphatic yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, has, has helped make some of those marginal yeses into duh, no brainer, like absolutely. Like you should be fired from your job if you don't do this. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Like what, like this could be the highest ROI investment you make all year. Right. Uh, as long as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, you're going to be doing well. So, um, uh, but, but just to answer it more specifically, you know, you could think of real estate owners in two broad categories, right? Like if you're a homeowner, you, you're a real estate owner. So yeah. for your own house, um, uh, does solar make sense? And then, you know, probably some more of the commercial real estate owners as well. Um, people who own malls or office buildings, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason it's important to distinguish those two markets is the market for financing residential solar installations is much more uh, mature than it is for the commercial property owners. In the residential space, that has been one of the biggest catalysts. You had equipment costs come down, but the access of standardized financing for um, most homeowners has really opened up the market. Um, we're now at the point where probably about three quarters of residential solar installations are financed. And that was a fraction of that 10 years ago. And it's as standardized as you go out there, you want solar for your house. Uh, there are several different providers you can pick. You pick um, a particular term and a rate. And, you know, um, it's uh, as simple, maybe even easier than getting a mortgage uh, to a certain extent. There's still a lot of room for those costs to come down because these fees are very high in that space. So um, there are lots of opportunities in that space, but nevertheless, at least it's uh, largely accessible. In the commercial space, that is um, a, a quite different story. There, there are a lot of um, you know, unique factors, um, idiosyncratic factors with access to financing. And I think that the biggest change between now and 10 years from now is that that will look a lot more standardized and a lot closer to the residential space than it does uh, today, where each one requires much more back and forth to understand what are the unique characteristics, what's the ownership structure, do you have subtenants, you know, all of these, you know, um, uh, special rules that make it a little bit harder to standardize. Right. However, I do think that the point is that when you are able to get access to financing and any competent solar uh, installation company can you know, uh, at least broker that for you. When you are able to get access to that financing, um, what does the ROI look like? And I mean, it is, it is many, in many situations with no money down, you're generating net savings uh, for your business. And the degree to which that uh, affects you has, um, uh, is, is partly dependent on what's your profitability, what are your depreciation tax shields, all of these various factors. But at the end of the day, it's a yes today. And with standardized, of, uh, standardized financing, which makes it even more um, affordable, it'll just be an emphatic yes. Yeah. And, and 
you know, it, again, it, it feels like this, you know, 50 by 50, right? If, if, if that is going to occur, I mean, the amount of spend on this category is dramatic. So even for the least altruistically minded capital sources out there, getting in front of that and financing that because you have different risk profiles to, you know, any asset that has a different payback period um, is just so intuitive. And it, it's interesting to hear what you said about there's this, um, there's this distinction between residential markets, which, you know, is largely the consumer thinking about a cost um, from a cost perspective. They're usually not generating lots of income out of their house versus a commercial building where there actually is top line profit. And so you have multiple ways to uh, change demand because tenants obviously are demanding this of, of their landlords at an altruistic level or, you know, compliant with whatever their mandate is around, you know, uh, net neutrality. And I guess as, as you think about that, how much does regulation play a role in that? Obviously California, you know, came out and was requiring solar panels, but what do you think the future of the regulatory landscape around solar looks like over the next 10 years? And maybe to answer the question, maybe bifurcate that a bit between residential and commercial as well. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll share my, uh, my, my initial thoughts. Um, uh, I think that uh, when it comes to regulation, it's almost easier to describe what it would look like over the next 20 or 30 years, because longer term, it's clear, at least to me, that we're headed in the direction of uh, increasingly supportive regulation for this industry because of all of the positive um, today, well, initially, um, externalities, right? Like things having to do with the environment, et cetera, et cetera but increasingly just as a pure economic driver and an economic engine. Even through the last downturn we had um, after the financial crisis, et cetera, et cetera, solar has been shown to be one of the fastest job creation categories um, uh, in the US and actually now employs way more people than like coal and you know, many other industries as well. So um, I think that there's gonna be a big push to support that. And it's hard to tell depending on you know, which administration comes or goes. Um, but it's a little bit easier to say that over the long term, there'll be increasingly supportive policies uh, for this industry. Um, and um, uh, both at the federal level and at the local state level, which is what we're seeing a lot of today. Um, you know, I'll, I'll actually let Chris continue with this conversation because you can wax eloquent on this uh, for, for the rest of uh, this session, but um, uh, I think Chris probably has some opinions. And I, and I should note the date we're recording this is October 27th, uh, <laughs> 2020. Well, that, that's, so. that's, why, that's why I said, let's focus on the longer term, just exactly. so that <laughs> anything I say doesn't become very true or less true in, in a yeah. week. <laughs> Look, Brennan, uh, it's, you know, obviously there's a place for, for uh, regulation in, in solar, but it's also important to actually start with the fact that, you know, this, is, this makes, makes sense and makes increasing sense as that cost curve comes down. So it's not something that's uh, dependent anymore in many places on, on regulation, right? Uh, in the early days, you know, that was different where you wanted to incentivize, you know, tax credits and so forth. And that I think was an incredibly worthwhile investment on behalf of the, the federal government and many uh, local authorities as well to, to subsidize what's become, you know, is becoming the, the future of energy, right? And so um, I just want to put that up front. Having said that, now there's a place place for regulation. And what you'll see is 
irrespective of what happens uh, next week and generally at the federal level, you know, so you see a lot of uh, local uh, areas, you know, step up, right? In California, like you said, stepped up with the mandate and said, you know what, it is our goal. Uh, I mean, we are affected directly by climate change too with the wildfires and, and so forth, right? It's our goal to, and the droughts, and it's our goal to, you know, do what we can to transition to, uh, to uh, you know, a net neutral um carbon a future you know where we where we rely more and more on renewables so there's th those areas where where local governments um can step up um there's a room in, in the permitting process where the regulators can step up and help streamline that right um there's a, a lot of room for regulation but the future of solar doesn't um doesn't solely depend on it right and i guess what advice would you give to uh, say a commercial real estate owner that truly does for say both altruistic and truly commercial reasons care about decarbonizing more, more broadly. So kind of beyond obviously solar, um, but, but inclusive of it as well. Um, what advice would you give them about what to do? And, and the reason I'm asking the question is obviously that this is something we're spending a lot of time on, which is that it, it feels like the commercial real estate industry has sat out the last two decades of technological innovation in real estate tech, which is obviously what we do, but secondarily in climate tech. And what advice would you give them to say, like, you need to, you need to be more involved in this because it's so imperative to the future of your business? How would you convey that to them? Yeah, it goes back to, there's a couple elements to that, right? One is literally consider the asset you're sitting on and not just in the, maybe the traditional sense to look at it, which is, you know, I have real estate, I, I rent it out or whatever I, I might do, right? But there's other ways actually of, of creating value with, with that asset. So that's, and that's one way in which solar, for example, can, uh, can, can add value uh, to you. Uh, the other thing is, this, you know, things develop quickly, right? So I would also encourage people to just, Stay, stay in tune with what's happening, right? And I'm, I know Fifth Wall can, can help with, uh, with that too. And, and there's you know, other sources of information where you can just stay abreast of what's happening because what may not be an opportunity today might next year or the, two years from now, right? And solar obviously is one of those where just the developments happen so quickly, but there's so much more. Uh, EV charging infrastructure, right? For example, there's a lot you can probably do there if you own commercial um, real estate. Uh, solar doesn't just go on roofs. There's carports uh, too, for example, right? Um, double benefit. You know, you have a carport, you provide shade, yet you um, obviously generate electricity and savings, right? And, and the interplay of those is also going to be very interesting. Um, energy efficiency is another area. Like there's, there's so much um, and it keeps evolving. And we, you know, we went through a bit of a sort of a boom and, and somewhat of a bust uh, in, in the clean tech cycle, uh, which is why that sort of got a bit of a bad rap uh, about 10 years ago or so. But, you know, increasingly we're coming out of that and, and there's a lot of real innovation and, and real sustained uh, trends that are happening and, and those are not going to go away. And, and so just staying, staying in tune and evaluating those opportunities, I think, is a very worthwhile um, thing to do, even if it's uh, not something you're going to do today. Uh, I would certainly encourage you to look at it, but that might change in 12 or 24 months from now. And I guess, you know, related question is from the other side. So now not from the real estate owner's perspective, but for just someone that's passionate about this issue. I think it's, it's counterintuitive to a lot of people that the real estate industry is so contributive to the climate crisis, right? That, you know, it's responsible for 
30% of CO2 emissions. And it's an industry that, you know, really has never shared the spotlight with other industries like, you know, manufacturing and transportation that, you know, I think people typically think of a priori as like the, the industry culprit, culprits in climate change. What would you encourage, like just anyone who's a consumer and passionate about this issue to, to ask of the real estate industry to hold it accountable, right, for, for its role? Like, meaning this is not just, you know, real estate owners are responsible. We want the world to be asking questions of who builds their homes, you know, who manages their office buildings, how their products are getting to their house, real real estate questions. Like, what are those questions they should be asking? Yeah, um, one of uh, the, there are a number of questions you can be asking, um, but one of the simplest things that you can do, uh, as say a tenant or you know anyone else who's holding um, uh, the the real estate owner uh, accountable, is to ask you know can we have a choice as to where we're sourcing our energy from? Uh, you know, from a consumer standpoint, uh, it's very easy to switch depending on what territory you're in. But if you take a place like California, you can choose a green option, which means that uh, the energy is sustain, uh, sourced from sustainable uh, sources, renewable energy, et cetera, et cetera. You know, one of the things I'm proud of is uh, we don't own real estate, but we were certified as a uh, San Francisco green business uh, before um, the, biz, uh, the, the office was uh, uh, shut down. But um, uh, being certified as a green business entailed things like choosing what our source of energy would be, um, you know, installing a few energy efficiency measures. And these little things end up making a big biz uh, difference. And even by asking the question, you may be prompting the landlord to think of things that they hadn't thought of before. Right. Um, and, I, you know, given that the economics are so compelling, just bringing this front and center to someone's mind so that they say, well, let me actually just look into this they'll likely be pleasantly surprised by what they have. So anything that just causes, um, you know, a real estate owner to start thinking about this and taking the first steps of, you know, let me go in and run a Google search or, you know, just pick up the phone and call, you know, um, a professional in this space. Uh, anyone that causes that, to, that, that action to occur so that you fight inertia, you're doing your part in some way, shape or form to, you know, helping um, uh, improve the situation. So that's just one tangible thing. Yeah, I think that's totally right. And I think part of it is people don't typically think of the real estate industry as being a supplier to other industries, but it is. You are supplying space and you are powering and electrifying that space. And how you do that makes a big difference. So for, you know, many of the companies that are um, ma making very bold, very ambitious, very important pledges to become carbon neutral, they're typically referring to their suppliers and they're including their suppliers as well within that chain. And you think about like Amazon, like one of Amazon's biggest suppliers is the real estate industry with warehouses and data centers and now retail stores. So I totally agree with that, that comment. It's just almost reframing the real estate industry as one of every industry's biggest suppliers because you need to supply space and how you how you power that space actually makes a big difference in the actual carbon neutrality and carbon impact of any operating business um well sam and chris as always it's um awesome to get your perspectives on this like if people want to learn more about aurora solar i think just right visit 
visit the website and I'm sure there's lots of information to kind of help real estate owners navigate this, this um, important transition they need to make. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, website, www.aurorasolar.com. We also have a blog. Uh, we blog about uh, topics in the industry and, and, and concepts and uh, sort of educational topics. Um, otherwise, also, uh, yeah, I encourage you to reach out to your, your local uh, solar company. Um, many of them are our clients and they'll be using our, our product to, to help you answer that question. Hey, does solar make sense for me? And uh, I think you'd be surprised uh, what, what the answer is and, and, and how good that answer can look. So I uh, encourage you to, to, to do that. And in any case, just, um, yeah, like I said, stay, stay abreast because things are changing. And importantly, also, things need to change. And we all have roles to play as individuals and as businesses. And I think it's just important to be, uh, be cognizant of that. And, and, and together, I, you know, that's what gets us excited. There's really an opportunity to, to, to build a future that is um, better uh, than, than the present that we live in. And so that, that's our hope. That's what gets us out of, out of bed every day, um, as well as not just the two of us. Importantly, there's, there's more than 100 of us now. It's, it's a big problem that requires a a lot of talented folks to come together on a daily basis. And so that's, that's what gets us excited. Well, thank you both for joining. And uh, obviously tune in again if you want to hear more, I think, really interesting perspectives on sustainability as we'll be interviewing more folks like Chris and, and Sam um, on Building to Zero. So thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Building to Zero. All of these episodes and more are available on our YouTube channel. To learn more about Fifth Wall, visit our website at www.fifthwall.com.